good reminder. Hands up if you've ever been ice skating before. Do you love it? <laughs> oh, some people do. I remember going ice skating. Uh, in fact, every single time I've been ice skating, I've noticed one thing that really, really irks me. Have a guess what it is. Oh yeah, falling over, but that doesn't really irk me. I understand, I expect that to happen. I expect to hit the ground. Ice is not very merciful at all. It's continuously, consistently hard and cold. People going too quick? Yes, it's something to do with the people going too quick. The age of the people that seem to go really, really, really quick. Really young? Yeah. The little kids. Like, I'm talking like this. The children that have barely walked for four years. And they're skating rings around me. Here I am trying to hold onto the rail or not knock someone out, including myself. And have you ever noticed that? Like these little tiny kids, some of them, they're just really good at ice skating. And I remember once falling over up in Queensland at an ice skating rink. And this little kid came up to help me. I was about 19, 18 or 19. Tough, right? I was tough. I was a tough kid. And this little kid came up to help me. I'm like, and he tried to teach me how to do it. It's a little child. It's 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 really it's it's humbling, isn't it, to be taught by a child? And I think in the church too. Like I think um, I I remember being a child in the church and um, even young in ministry, you know, starting off as a pastor. And I tell you what, you ruffle some feathers by trying to help people in their life to follow Jesus. Oh, I know how to do that. You know, I'm not listening to you. You don't even wear the right shoes to church. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> young people, we can learn from young people. There they are at the back. There they are over here. There's one right there. <laughs> you think it's funny. We, we've just spent some time together re recalibrating our minds and our hearts upon what's true, what's real, who God is, what his kingdom is like. And I'll tell you what, in the kingdom of God, we're all babies. You know how long the kingdom of God will last for? Like the kingdom of like the oh, the queendom. Is it the queendom? The kingdom of United Kingdom. The queen's in charge, basically. Not really. I think it's the parliament, but the queendom. It doesn't last very long. Like it lasts until the next person dies and then someone else goes on and, you know, that sort of thing. But the kingdom of God, guess how long it lasts for? Eternity. Eternity. <laughs> so how old do you think is a young person in the kingdom of God? Yeah. Anyone in the kingdom of God is a young person. And do you know what? This series is called Young and Free. Young and Free, right? Young and Free. And you might think, some of us, like me, don't feel too young or free. In fact, the last seven days or so, I've, I haven't really felt very free. Or young. My, my other hip is playing up, you know, and we can complain. All the oldies get together and we can just talk about our stuff, can't we? And just have a cuppa and go, oh, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Oh, this one. I've run out of this medication. Oh, I'll borrow mine, you know. And we can um, not feel young and not feel free. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we're actually all young and we're actually all free. Jesus said, Jesus, our God, he said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. So it doesn't matter what goes on around you, like what storms rage around you. It's all about what God said or what God says about you and about me. And so more and more I'm looking around the world and I'm only, you know, halfway through my life, hopefully. 
But the more I look around the world, the more I see the world falling apart. But the more I'm constantly aware that it's not about this world. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but I've overcome the world. This world will fall away one day. It's going to burn up. It's all going to be in a big fire. And it's going to disappear. The only thing that's going to last is faith. And God will recreate out of that. So if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you will live eternally. Regardless of what happens to your body, regardless of what the doctor's you know, thing says about you and you know how you die or whatever, if you have faith in Jesus, you will live forever. Faith. Faith is what lasts. And tonight, I want to learn, I want to teach you, but I think we all can learn, from these three young men about faith. Now, they're friends of Daniel. Now, Daniel's a prophet in the Old Testament, and he was a man used by God. In fact, he was a young man used by God. Daniel and his three friends, their, their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, they were Jewish young men, all right? So, Hani, Mish, and Az. And they're 15, 14 or 15, and now they're not living in Israel. They're living in a place called Babylon, which is entirely foreign to them. Foreign gods, foreign culture, foreign customs, foreign-looking people. They're in another culture. Totally different. 15-year-old boys, Jewish captives in another place. But they get the attention of the king because they're um, important, I guess, in uh, Israel in some way, shape or form. But they get the king's attention. And so the king enlists these four guys, Daniel and his three mates, into his um, in to serve him in his palace. And so they go through this program where they learn about different things, but they all have, all have to eat certain things. And you can read about that in Daniel chapter 1. But what happens with these three Jewish boys is that they're given a new name each. They're renamed Babylon names by a guy called Ashpenaz, who's the chief, chief of staff of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this is boring information. We're going to get to the nitty-gritty. But these, these kids, these boys, these 15-year-old boys, Josh, how old are you? 15. 15. There you go. Looking like that. Handsome. They stood out in the crowd, intelligent, witty, charismatic, but captives. They're given new names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, foreign names. Imagine that. Imagine going to another culture and they just give you another name. You know what? We do that in Australia. Like I'll meet people from another culture and like I met a man actually today. His name was Balakmore. Balakmol. But do you know how many times I had to get him to repeat that to me? Because he was in a Serbian accent. I said, hi, I'm Ian. Two syllables, E-N. <laughs> hi, I'm Balakmol. I had no idea what he said the first time. And so then I'm thinking, I could just call him Bal. You know, give him a nickname because it's easier for me to remember. So maybe that's why they did that to these three guys. I don't know. But they changed their names. And in fact, this is really important, I think, because... We'll get to it later on. But they changed their names to the gods of that area. Instead of their Jewish names, which were about their god, they tried to change their name. But they couldn't change what was on the inside. So now I want to talk about faith in the fire. Faith in the fire. 
For faith to be real faith, there has to be a real fire. Like not like a literal fire, like a testing, a time where there's something that's forcing you into a place to sort the men from the boys. So I let's pick on COVID, all right? Everyone heard about COVID? Do I need to explain what that is? So two years of church online, all right? Now I'm talking to other pastor friends of mine and there's this, there's this kind of thing going around. It's almost like the period of COVID where people had to do church in other ways, like online or not go to a place together. They would, they would have to make a decision to do something themselves. It actually sorted out those who were fence sitters and those who were really infested in the kingdom of God and wanted to serve as part of the church. Those who wanted to go as consumerists to church and those who were like wanting to let God use them in a capacity in church. All right, so it, it actually forced people into that position. It was a fire in a sense, and it, and it um, sorts the men from the boys. Sorts the, um, yeah, you get what I mean? All right, anyway, these boys, these 15-year-old boys, um, they are put into the king's palace and they're um, learning the ropes. Daniel, in the meantime, he becomes um, quite uh, important in, in King Nebuchadnezzar's palace. And so we get to chapter 2 of Daniel and we see Nebuchadnezzar having a dream. And he has this troubling dream. He has a dream about a statue with a gold head and other minerals for, for the rest of its body. All right, And it's really troubling him. And he asks the magicians and the, the astrologers and the people, the wise men around him, his advisors, what's the meaning of the dream? And they didn't even know what the dream was about. And so he, he pinned it on them. He said, oh, I'm not going to tell you what the dream's about. You just have to tell me what the dream was and then interpret it for me. And they said, oh, we can't do that, King. you just got to tell us the dream first. Otherwise, we don't know. So they couldn't do it. So the king was troubled. Then Daniel came out and said, give me time. I'll talk to my God and see what he says about your dream. So Daniel ends up interpreting the king's dream to the king. And the king is so pleased with Daniel that he bows down and he says to Daniel, it's in verse 46 of chapter 2, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel. How old is Daniel? 15. 15. He threw himself before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. How awkward was Daniel feeling right now? The king said to Daniel, Truly, your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Amazing. God stepped in because a 15-year-old trusted him. Okay. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. How old is he? <laughs> he might have been about maybe 16 by this stage or 17. All right. The king said to uh, many valuable uh, things, right? Where are we? Uh, yeah, at Daniel's request, in verse 49, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, can I just call them Rakshak and Benny? Because um, it's just a lot easier for me to remember. So Rakshak and Benny were in charge of all the king's... Uh, of all the king's affairs of the province of Babylon. 
Like they might have been about 18, maybe, like maximum, in charge, right? Wow, that is awesome. God is good. Things are going really well. Which brings us to our text for tonight, which doesn't seem to be too well, too good. Brings us to our three teachers for tonight, these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak and Benny. They had faith. They had faith in the fire. First of all, to know if someone has real faith, there has to be an unavoidable situation. An unavoidable situation. Everything starts with you tonight, so it's easy for you to remember. But here we find these guys. and Let's look at their story. Let's look at them. So, Rack, Shack and Benny find themselves in an unavoidable situation. Verse 1 to 7. King Nebuchadnezzar sets up this statue. Massive, big statue. He sent messages to everyone around the whole province. When you hear the music of these particular instruments, you're going to bow down and worship the statue. If you don't worship the statue, you get thrown into the blazing furnace. That's pretty clear, right? Like, and, and it, it, it seems like it's a doable thing. Like, if you, if you want to live, you just bow down to the statue, right? You just look at the big, massive statue that's standing out like a sore thumb and just bow down to it. What, how is that going to hurt anybody, you know? So the kings just said, you know, this is what we do. This is, we just do this. And um, seems to me that it's a bad thing for some people. It's an unavoidable situation for three young men called Rakshak and Benny. Why? You know why? I'm going to use a big word, because they don't believe in pluralism. You see, the king, he doesn't say to Rakshak and Benny, hey, Rakshak and Benny, I want you to denounce your God and start worshipping our gods. Ah, he's cool with them worshipping their God. He loves them worshipping worshipping Yahweh God, the creator God. Why? Because Probably because he get his, gets his dreams interpreted, gets what he wants. You see, he's into pluralism. Now, pluralism is, you believe your faith, I believe my faith. You know, all roads lead to God. You know, have you ever pe heard people like that? You know, your faith is your faith, my faith is my faith. I've been asked myself as a pastor to be on interfaith councils. So like for our local council here, an interfaith council with many different leaders from different religions uh, combining together as if we all believe the same God. And it's really awkward. It's an unavoidable situation that's going to make me look like an arrogant, one-faced one person. Because I am. I believe, I believe in a God who said, I am the way, not I am one of the ways. And you believe in that same God too. He said, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said those words. Jesus is very opinionated when it comes to salvation. <laughs> he should be. He's, he's the creator of the universe and salvation. He's the saviour. But that's, we all, as believers in Jesus, will one day, at least in a large, in, at least in a small way, have an unavoidable situation where we have to say, hey, woo, woo, I can't, I actually can't agree with you there. 
I can't sign that document. <laughs> I have to lose my job. I have to, you know, whatever. It comes a time where, or there will, there will definitely come a time in the world where all Christians will need to just stand up and say, hey, I'm sorry, I can't worship this. This is not, this is not right. Can't do it. Um, it's illegal to be a Christian in some countries around the world, but I believe there's going to come a time where it'll be illegal for all Christians if you don't have, um, if you don't follow the rest of everybody else. They're okay with you worshiping Jesus. Like you got relatives like that. They're like you can you can worship Jesus, just just don't talk about him. Like go go do the Jesus thing, go worship God because you're a nicer person when you come from that. So that's great, but don't start talking to me about him. Don't start telling me that I'm not going to go to heaven, you know. Maybe it's just me. But these guys, they face an unavoidable situation. There's no running from it. They're there. They're, they're trapped in a sense. The king's not saying renounce God because the king certainly worships their God. Well, he says he does. That's what he did with Daniel. He, you know, he bowed down after Daniel interpreted the dream. He said, your God is the God of all gods. Who is, who is like him? He can interpret dreams. Wow. He's praising God. But at the same time, he's just like adding our God to his list of other gods. And let's hope that one of them gets us to the right place when we die. Pluralism. An unavoidable situation. There has to be one of those to see if you've got faith. Now, what happens is we, we see, do these guys have real faith? Let's have a look. In verse 8, we get to this situation. It says that some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They dobbed on Rakshak and Benny. And they said to the king, Oh, king, live forever. We love you. You're the best. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold, the gold statue when they hear the music, right? That decree also states that they'll be thrown into a blazing furnace if they don't. And so there's these Jews called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the whole province of Babylon, who can detect jealousy in that statement. <laughs> We're not in charge. They are. Let's get them. Um, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. So it's obvious. It's obvious to their enemies what they believe. It's an obvious, it's an uncommon lifestyle. It's an uncommon lifestyle. It's uncommon because it stands out. We've noticed these guys don't bear down. I mean, obviously, could you imagine? There's hundreds of people facing this massive golden statue. Everyone's standing up, chatting, chit chat. How's work? Great. How's the wife and kids? Good, good, good. Music starts playing. What happens? They all nose to the ground, except for three young men just standing up like zits on someone's nose. They just stand out. And here they are. Yeah, sorry, zits on someone. Like a sore thumb. Just standing out like a sore thumb. It's obvious. It's an uncommon lifestyle. That's one thing I've noticed after following Jesus is that, I don't know about you guys, but your friends and your enemies notice something uncommon about you. Like there's an uncommon lifestyle. You don't swear as much, Ian, anymore, as much. Notice I said that. It's changed over time. I don't really swear at all, I don't think. But there's an uncommon lifestyle that should 
be present in every single person's life who has faith in God. Faith. Uncommon lifestyle. So this, this riles up King Nebuchadnezzar. He gets angry. Verses 13 to 15, we, we see he gets so angry. Um, but before that, he, he says to these guys, all right, okay, I get it. You, you're so busy running the place. I get it. Maybe you didn't hear it properly. Maybe you've got a learning difficulty. Maybe I need to repeat what I said. So here's your second chance. And so he gives them a second chance. And he says, okay, so this is the music's going to start. And when it does, you're going to bow down. If you don't, you're going to be thrown in the fire. You understand what's going to go, what's going to happen, right? And so they understand that. But Nebuchadnezzar, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, don't bow down. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. All right. Sorry, I said that. And he and he said all these things to them. And then they respond with an unwavering stance. From verses 16 to 17, they said to him, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, Rakshak and Benny, turn to the king and say, O king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. They stand before the king, the guy who has the authority to say, Live or die. And they're three young men standing before the king saying, okay, we're not afraid of what you just said because our God is bigger than you. They have an unwavering stance. They're not swayed to the left or the right. They're 100% going to follow God even in the midst of this. Their faith is shown by an unwavering stance even before the king. But then it gets to the good bit, which is my favorite bit. They have an unconditional faith. An unconditional faith is what every single one of you and me need. Check out verse um, 18. They said to the king, after they said, look, we're not going to serve you, we're not going oh, to bow down to your statue, they will serve the king, but we're not going to bow down to the statue, we're not going to worship your gods, our God can save us, he's able to do that. And they say in verse 18, but even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't save us, even if God doesn't step in and save us, we want you to know, your majesty, we want it to be clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And it's like the king gave them a second chance. Here are these three young men giving the king a second chance to comprehend what they've already shown him in their life. They're like, okay, we just want you to know this right now, that if God doesn't save us from the burning fire, we're not going to bow down anyway. Now, that's the faith that you and I really need. They end up getting thrown into the fire, right? But here they say to the king, even if, even if God doesn't come through the way I want him to, I'm still going to believe him. Even if... The diagnosis doesn't change. I'm still going to trust his goodness for my life. Even if that person walks away from my life, I'm still going to worship Jesus and call him my Lord. Even if I lose my job, I'm still going to trust him for better things in the future. Even if it doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go, God has a plan that far outweighs anything I could imagine. 
a faith that says even if. There's a passage in Habakkuk, which is another prophet. He, I think he might have been about the same time as um, Daniel, maybe. Habakkuk chapter 3, these words, anyway, I'll just read them out. He says to the, to the nation, um, he's prophesying, even though the fig trees have no blossom and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. He's saying, even if it all breaks down in my life, even if everything just falls apart, I will rejoice in God because he's the God of my salvation. You see, he has an eternal perspective. Every single Christian person needs to have an eternal perspective. You're going to hit into Friday, uh, sorry, into Monday tomorrow, and that perspective that you might have tonight will be diminished a little bit because you'll be in the here and now and focusing on you know what my future is this year and what plans are for university or whatever. Okay, and we start thinking about here and now. We start thinking about this world and what's inside the ozone layer. <laughs> But when we get together in church or when we get together in prayer or when you read your Bible and talk with the Lord, we're reminded that we're actually part of something bigger. We're actually part of a kingdom that lasts forever, a kingdom that won't disappear, a king, kingdom that keeps going on and on and on. And our perspective, it should be kingdom-minded, is that the most important thing that I can do in this life is be saved and help someone else be saved. Pretty sure that's what a lot of people are thinking in heaven right now. <laughs> I wish I just learned how to get help people be saved. And he says, this, this guy in Habakkuk says, even though God doesn't step in, even though it all fails, even though there's no sheep or cattle and everything, all my crops fail, even though there's no life at all, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Because when it all comes to the end, it's all about your faith. In God to save you. And so Meshach, sorry, Rakshak and Benny, they, they said to the king, okay, well, even if even if we die, it's okay, because God's God's got us for eternity. We're not we don't have to worry because he's gonna save us. Even if it's not a physical salvation, it's a spiritual, eternal salvation. So that's what they said. Unconditional faith. Unconditional faith. So they say, oh, to the king, they say, God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow to you. So guess what King Nebuchadnezzar says? Oh, that's lovely. No, he doesn't. He gets so furious with them that he, he turns the temperature up on the, on the furnace. He turns, he's so furious. In fact, it says in another translation that um, his, well, his face became distorted with rage or he changed the way that he thought about them. In other words, he liked them before, but they're not worshipping his golden image. He worshipped their God, but they're not worshipping his God. So he just really doesn't like them right now. So he orders for them to get thrown into the fire. Get your Bibles out. Read what, read what happens next. Then he ordered, verse 20, then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Rakshak and Benny and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the men in. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied up, remember, tied up, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, I love buts in the Bible. This is a big but. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Isn't that amazing? That's just, that's just really amazing. You ever had been to a bonfire before at like someone's paddock? How close can you get to... I've seen some massive bonfires, like huge. How close can you get? Not very close. So I could imagine what these big, tough, burly guards were feeling as they were taking these men into the flames. And as they were carrying them into the furnace, they themselves burned up. They died. They were killed as they were throwing the... I wonder what they were thinking. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego just kept going into the furnace unharmed and apparently unbound. Now let's read on. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar came uh, as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted to them, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Like that's insane, having a conversation with someone in a fire. Anyway, so Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officials, officials, sorry, high officers, officials, governors and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair, not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. That is a miracle. That's amazing. That's a miracle. What got burnt up in the fire? Something got burnt up in the fire. Now, before we look at that, let me just say, I believe this is a really beautiful picture that God has given us and the Jewish community of salvation. You see, what happens is these three men, they showed faith in the fire. They showed faith in the fire because they had uncommon lifestyle, an unconditional faith in God to keep his promise no matter what. There's salvation there. But they, they faced an unavoidable situation. Now, there's going to come a time where all of us, every single human being with a heartbeat and a soul, will face an unavoidable situation. We're all going to come before the throne of God, the judgment seat of God, and we're going to have to give an account of what we've done. If we're holy enough to be in heaven or if we're not. Now, all of us will have this situation come our way. It's unavoidable. But the only thing that's going to get us through or anyone through is faith in Jesus Christ. Now, God knew that. He knew that no one could save themselves. No one could make themselves good enough to be in his presence. So what God did was he saw the fire that we were in called sin and, and um, what's the, just unholiness, humanity, and he came down to be with us. In the person of Jesus Christ. God came into our fire. He was present with us. God with us. And here, here is God. This is a this is a this is a Christoph is it a Christophany? 
uh, uh, this is Jesus Christ with people on earth. Right? This is this is some people believe this is actually the first point where where the person of Jesus is actually with people. I don't know about that, but what I do know is that this is God with them in the flames. God in a in a person because he looks like one of them, and he came and, and he was with them. And and what he does with these guys is he actually rescues them from the flames, from the fire. It's an impossibility. It has to be a miracle. Anyone who didn't have the faith that they had were burned up by the by the fire. What else got burned up by the fire? Did anyone notice? Yeah. Yeah, the ropes. Not a hair of their head was singed. Like I've been cooking. Sometimes I cook and I, you know, singe my hair and my eyebrows. Get too close. Not a not a hair was singed. Not their clothing was not burnt. And they didn't even smell like smoke. Who's ever been to a campfire and come back not smelling like smoke? This is a miracle, right? So what has happened here is that God has stepped in and saved them from an impossible, unavoidable situation. Why? Because they showed great faith. 18, 19-year-olds putting their faith in God to save them. And God still does that. And you know what I thought I think was beautiful about this? Oh yeah. Unbound. Unbound. Took free. Free. In the middle of a fire, they're free because God's with them. And that's a really good message for us too. Like, I don't know what fire you're in right now. Anyone in a fire tonight? God's with you. And He has He has freedom for you. You're you're walking with He's walking with you in freedom, whatever fire you're in. Um, but one thing I really think is really great, we'll finish on this, is that these three guys, they've been called Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego or Rakshak and Benny. But do you know what their names are? Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. And their names actually mean, so Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. Mishael is who is like God. Who is like God? So the Lord's showing them grace. God is with them in the midst of the fire. And Azariah means the Lord is my help. And what a beautiful picture of salvation in general. You know, we can't save ourselves. We need his grace. We can't save ourselves. We need someone like God to step into our place for us and to take our sin upon his shoulders. And what do you know Jesus has done? Because he is our helper. I thought it was a beautiful picture. We can learn from young people, can't we, even today? But let's learn from these young men what it means to have real faith, faith in the fire. An unavoidable situation comes your way because you've got an uncommon lifestyle, an unwavering stance, an unconditional faith. But don't worry about that because what happens when you have faith like that, like theirs, it actually becomes an undeniable story. Let's have a read, verse 24 to 27. We see King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, sorry, 28. Sorry. Then the king said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than worship Sorry, rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. 
If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they'll be torn limb from limb and their houses will be burned into little heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't want to say an amen to that. But what I can say is that this guy, this king, is then able to give a decree over the whole of his empire an undeniable story that these three young men just stepped up and just said, this is our God, we're not going to bend. You know, you can do whatever you like to us, but God's going to save us eternally anyway. You know, hopefully um, hopefully we've all that got that same kind of faith as well. No matter what happens, even if God doesn't come through the way we want, let's keep praising him and trusting him for good things. I just want to pray. Yeah, that's right. Can we pray? God, we just thank you so much that you have stepped into our problem and you saved us. Jesus, we just thank you so much for the cross. We thank you for your grace, your wonderful favour, your forgiveness, your mercy. And Lord, your help for us when we were helpless. And in fact, Lord, we're often helpless. And Lord, we just thank you so much that um, we're able to learn from these young men today. And um, we thank you for their example to us. And we do pray that we've learned something tonight that we might be able to put into effect in our own communities and lives and situations, that we might be able to trust you, Lord, even if. Um, and, yeah, out of it we might have a story of your goodness in our life and that people might see that you actually are real um, as you step in and, and help out people with real faith. Help us, Lord, to be real people, getting real with a real God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.